Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? I did not know that. Did you also know if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, two out of three won't return? Well, that doesn't sound good. Not showing prices in customers' local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your bounce rate. What do I do? If you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must. Okay, which one should I get? Well, the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. What's so great about it? It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and then shows them their correct local currency so you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. How? It syncs in real time with a currency database, so it's always up to date. Can I adjust those rates? If you set it to sync real-time rates but want to pad that conversion by a few percent to net a little extra for yourself, you could do that too. What else can it do? It optionally supports vanity pricing, so if you wanted all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. Sold. How do I get it? Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their Bold multi-currency app free for two months. Just go to curdelster.com slash bold to install it and claim your exclusive offer. That's curdelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup. And it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we are going to hear a journey from a merchant who got... To one million in revenue, the holy grail, the seven figures, the two comma club, without paid ads. What? How? How is such a thing possible? Uh? Right? And from once she got to one million, then she got to six million. And I actually I don't know anything more than that. So we are gonna we're gonna find out how she did this together, my friends. Joining me is Vivian K, founder and CEO of Kinky Curly Yaki, a premium textured hair extension brand for black women that she bootstrapped over $6 million in revenue. Very exciting. And she actually does quite a bit more than that. Uh, she's, she's quite inspirational and seems like a lot of fun. So we're going to, you know what, screw this long-winded intro. Let's just, let's get into it and see, see what we can learn here. Vivian, oh my gosh, this is very exciting. We are, uh, I was like, I swear we've met or we... We know each other. We're in the same circle. And you reminded me, we're on the same book cover. We are. We are on the cover of the e-commerce marketing handbook by Privy. Which I said, I'm the black lady in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I'm the dude. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Kinky Curly Yaki. That's an unusual brand name. Mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. Did, where did this come from? Okay. Well, first of all, I made it up. 
Fantastic. And second of all, it's actually, you know, a combination of three textures. So there's the kinky, so kinky hair, uh, which is normally tightly coiled Afro hair. And then, of course, there's curly. Um, and then there's yakky. And that's usually what gets a lot of people stuck. Like, I mean, what the heck is yakky? Well, Back in the day, um, back in the day when, um, well, first of all, let me sort of, let me rewind a little bit. So black women tend to wear a lot of protective styles. So protective styles include weaves, wigs, or braids. So any black woman, you know, in popular culture, Oprah, Beyonce, Serena Williams, they are all wearing protective styles. And so then back in the day when they wanted to mimic a black woman's hair or Afro textured hair straightened. They didn't have any human hair to duplicate that. They used yak hair, hmm. so hair from a yak. And so then they just threw I at the end and they called it yaki. So it's sort of a tongue in cheek name. So if you're a black woman who's worn a protective style, you know what yaki is. So whereas for me, I saw it and I was like, I have no idea <laughs> what any of this is in reference to. Please, someone Save me from my own ignorance. I get that question a lot. <laughs> you know, in, in you know, sometime in the the future, you know, maybe years from now, this will come up in conversation. I'll be like, I know the answer to this, and then I'll just wildly butcher your explanation. <laughs> I'll be like, you know, by the end of it, I'll just kind of trail off and be like, maybe you should just Google it. Maybe, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay, so <laughs> how long have we been doing this? When did you start this brand? Oh, so I started it in December of 2012. So I'm an OG. Wow. December 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Having it's been uh, nine years, almost uh, 10 years. What do you think is what do you think is different now? Like if you were to start a brand today versus when you started this brand in 2012, what do you, you what tactics do you think would or wouldn't work? Mm, great question. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, because how I, how I actually grew my business was through a lot of the things that you see in Twitter threads and on podcasts today, which is community, uh, you know, you know, establishing your brand and telling your story. And those weren't things back in 2012 that you did. Right. So there wasn't the brand story. There wasn't the founder story or, you know, any of that. And those are the things that worked for me then. And of course, it works for me now. But I grew organically. So, so no paid ads. That's a lot. Sorry. No paid ads. No paid ads. Mm. And so that's a tough, that's a tough sell nowadays, right? Especially because a lot of the platforms that I was using back in 2012 and 2013 were just, they were just starting up, right? Instagram was just becoming a thing. YouTube was still a th like, you know, YouTube was, you know, still becoming a thing. And now everything is pay to play. Right. But what doesn't change is the community and, to, and the telling of the story, because those are things that, you know, your competitors can't steal. Those are things that China can't mimic. Those are things that Amazon can't, like, can't beat you on. Absolutely. Right? So, so, yeah. So the, the, the things that have gotten harder is, you know, like in 2012, you could make a Facebook page and just get likes. And versus right. today, it's you have to pay to promote posts and pay for like ads if you want the same thing. So right. that's the part that got harder. So customer acquisition yeah. cost got uh, more expensive and more difficult. But the the competitive edge then is the same as now. 
and that's have a clear, have a strong brand, be able to tell a story and be able to build a community. All right. Well, I'd love to know uh, more about the beginning of your journey, but yeah, this is too valuable. Let's unpack this. So when you say tell a story, it's such an easy thing to tell people to do. Yeah. Tell your story. Mm -hmm. Three Mm -hmm. words. Tell your story. What do we mean by that? What goes into that? What's a good versus a bad story? How do people screw this up? Uh, you know what? I think people screw it up by not knowing why they're even doing it in the first place. Ah, the why. The why. It's because it's like, oh, well, I just started this because, you know, one of my bros is making a lot of money and I thought I'd give it a try. <laughs> yeah. That is not a story. Uh, I started my, I started this online store because I hate my job. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's a legitimate reason, but that's not the story. And that's not like the the real why. If I go, well, why did, you know, you're like, you'd have to dive deeper, right? Right. So what's your why? My why is I, I, so I was actually running another business at the time and I wanted hair that looked quote unquote presentable, which for black women, what that means is, you know, having to, you know, women in general, you know, there's this beauty standard, you know, that skinny, blonde, white woman that, you know, that is our standard of beauty that for some reason, black women are included in that standard. So one of the ways for us to do that was to wear straight European looking hair for our protective styles. But I was tired of that, Kurt. I don't want to do that shit no more. Wait, can we swear? (laughs) Absolutely. You can swear. (laughs) Okay. I don't want to do that shit no more. So I I was looking... I was looking for something that looks like my hair, but when I went looking for it, it was, it was, it either didn't exist or it was buried underneath silkier textures. So I thought, hmm. how come no one is just selling kinky hair? But because I was running my other business, I sort of took the idea and filed it in the back of my head. And it wasn't until I went to a networking event for wedding planners or event planning. And another black woman pulled me aside and was like, girl, how did you get your hair like that? Who's your hairdresser? What's your regimen? And I was like, girl, this is a weave. And she said, I would buy that. Oh, light bulb moment. Light bulb moment. So I thought, well, hmm, if she said she would buy it and then I bought it and, you know, because I was trying to solve my own problem, I was in the, the protective styles community. So I was in the black hair care forums trying to solve my own problem. So I saw other people with those problems. I was like, you know what? This is too much. Let me just solve my own problem and, and you know, keep it moving. And I thought, well, if she said she would buy it out loud and I did, there's got to be at least a dozen other women who would too. So then in the down season of my wedding business, which was the business I was running at the time, I launched Kinky Curly Yaki on December 8th of 2012. In 2012, Shopify was around. Was this brand on Shopify? No, it was on Big Cartel. Big Cartel. Oh, my God. Remember them? Are they still around? Yeah, I have no idea, truthfully. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, shout out to Big Cartel. Yeah, what's up, guys? (laughs) So what's so amazing about a lot of these entrepreneurial journeys is they they really follow a very similar path often where someone has a pain or problem in their own life. And then they look at existing, they start researching and they start looking at existing uh, solutions and go, well, this isn't right. This isn't quite right. I could do this better. Here's how it should work. And then finally you go, well, why not me? Why am I not the one coming up with the solution and fixing it? And for you, like you walked right through that journey and then someone said, I'd buy that. And then you're like, huh. And you already, you did, you had business experience, unrelated, so, right. Yeah, but there's, certainly there are overlapping skill sets there. 
Um, And so what from that point, what was the next step? Where did you go from there? You're like, all right, I'm doing this. But then that's the giving yourself permission. All right. Hard but easy. And then from there, we yeah, it's like question mark, question mark, profit. No, it was just, you know what? Let me I had I actually had no clue. Because it's not like at the time, e-commerce wasn't as prevalent as it is now, right? There weren't people on YouTube telling you how to do all this stuff. So I just sort of figured it out as I was going along. So if you can't, you guys can't see me, but Kurt can. There's this Rubbermaid bin behind me and it has drawers in it. And that's how I started my business. So a customer would buy one bundle of hair. I would take that money and I'd buy two. And I slowly grew my business that way. So I just kept buying more and more hair. The more people would buy, I just kept reinvesting the money into inventory. So I started this business from zero. I didn't have any outside capital. I didn't have any family loans. I didn't take a bank loan, nothing. I literally started from zero. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. (laughs) I'm still making mistakes, right? But it was something that I really was passionate about because when I started to really think about it, I started to think, well, okay, so what sets me apart? Besides the fact that I am my own customer, I get high on my own supply. And, you know, and at the time there weren't a lot of black women who owned black hair businesses. It was all owned by other people. Oh, and so then, and yeah. And so that was, be this surprised. was a time. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's it's that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, um, but for the most part, a lot of a lot of businesses were not black owned. And so then, of course, you had other people dictating what they thought was beautiful. Right. So then this was a time when YouTube when when, when women were just jumping onto YouTube and doing videos and, um, you know, we started taking more control over our beauty. You know, it was something that. I realized that I wasn't just selling hair. I was selling confidence, right? Hmm. I was selling women. I was selling black women confidence to show up at their nine to five and not have Karen or Chad ask them, you know, hi, you got a new hairstyle today. What's that all about? No, I gave them the confidence to show up and, and so that they can look like themselves and no one would ask them about their hair. They would just have them like, you know, you could just tell, you know, hey, Karen, focus on my work. Don't focus on my hair because for black women, that's a huge problem. And so then I thought that I, I felt like that's what I was solving. Did I even answer this question? I don't even know. I don't remember what the question was. You know, I don't even know what the original question was, but I loved all of that. Okay. That's a very entrepreneur. This is an entrepreneur conversation. So yeah, I, I did greatly enjoy that. Um, well, all right. So you, you did, you talked about bootstrapping and you said, I like you defined You know, I'll tell people like, oh, I bootstrapped, but also like my parents helped me out financially. So like clearly there's generational wealth there in any respect that helped me. And I paid them back, but still I had that safety net. I like the risk just was not the same for me. So it's very, it's much easier for me to be like, yeah, just grab those bootstraps and yank guys. You know, like it's silly. When you say bootstrap, you said like, like bootstrap, bootstrap, you know, you sold the inventory and that money immediately went back into get more inventory. What was the, why, why bootstrap? Why not you know, take out a business loan or run up some credit cards? That's what a lot of people do. Yeah. Well, see, you mentioned it. You The answer was what you mentioned earlier, which was generational wealth, right? So 
I was born in Ghana. Right. So I came over to Canada uh, when I was um, when I was three, you know, in my mom's lap. And my my parents were my dad was a high school. I think he graduated high school, but my mom didn't have any education. So it starts right there. Right. So if they don't know if they see if they're constantly hearing about debt and they're scared and, you know, a lot of immigrants, um, a lot of people of color are afraid of debt. We don't see, they don't teach us that debt is something we could use to our advantage. That it can We're be a tool. That it's a tool, right? We're taught that debt is bad. And the only debt you should have is maybe just your house, maybe a car. But a business? Ah, oh, forget it. Why are you going into debt for a business? It's not a, it's not a, it's a risk you're taking. It's not a sure, a sure thing. Right. And, you know, I know, you know, I always joke with my mom. I'm like, I know you didn't bring me to this country to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> right. Because when you're coming, when you're leaving your home to bring your children, to raise them in a strange country, you want them to be successful. So you're thinking they're going to be lawyers and, and engineers and doctors. And here I was being an, uh, an entrepreneur. But to answer your question, the reason why I didn't take out any of that stuff is because I didn't know about it. I wasn't exposed to it. I don't have a network of and I still don't really have a network of people to show me how to grow beyond a million dollars. And I've tried. Right. And and it's and, and there's a number of reasons why I'm stuck at where I am. But it's it's really the network. It's really those things, that privilege that you don't think you have. You have. You can say, hey, dad, you know, I'm thinking about this business. He's probably got 30,000 tucked away. My parents didn't have 30,000 tucked away. They were living from meal to meal. And that happens to that happens for a lot of people of color. So whenever I see anyone on the cover of, you know, Forbes with, you know, being self-made or anyone that's like, yeah, I bootstrap, but, you know, their dad was a CEO of whatever. And so that like that's like, bro, that is not bootstrapping. <laughs> They're so full <laughs> of shit. That's not what it is. <laughs> well, I, I read that uh, I think it was a study, but um, can I, I wish I could find it or remember where it was. But successful people try to explain away their privilege and advantages because it makes for a better story. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. you don't, you know, you, uh, us on the receiving end in the social media age, you know, scrolling through someone else's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You not only are you missing all of that, right? You're also you're missing all of their failures. Yep. You only see like the highlight reel that is selected in a way to tell a story, right? And I think that's such an important thing to realize when you're looking at somebody else and be like, oh, "I wish I could do that," and how could they they could do it and I can't? Because there's a whole bunch of stuff behind the curtain that you don't know about. Yep. And it yep. it, it it's it's privilege and it's access um yep. and it's experience that you may not have or know. Or like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Well, some people always ask, you know, what's, you know, what's the key to your success? Like, how are you able to do all that? And I said, it's because I was naive. All right. I, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know about the term bootstrap up until I didn't know about it until 2017. Hmm. And it wasn't until I went to an event that I was invited to by, you know, the government of Canada to help them, you know, to to enter into one of their digital export accelerators, which I didn't get accepted into because they didn't know how to help me, right? They didn't know how to help me because of the demographic that I serve. But what I did witness was some guy with a, a solar ant farm getting $100,000 on an idea. Ooh. And I'm like, but I have money in my bank account, but the bank is calling me to ask me where that money's coming from and where it's going. How did you feel about that? 
shitty. I still feel shitty to this day because even to get the loans or even the, you know, the line of credits that I had, the line of credit I got was because my white guy accountant knew a guy at the branch and said, Hey, she's good for it. The loan that I got from, uh, you know, from one of the major banks here, the only reason why I got it was because a black woman had to intercede or intercept my application to explain to them what I was doing and why my business was making this much money. Because no, and even, I remember even doing things like crossing the border into the U.S. to, um, you know, to do events. The border guard's like, what do you mean you make money selling hair extensions to black women? How is that a thing? <laughs> Bro, this is a, this is like a $25 a huge billion dollar industry. But you don't believe that I'm the one running the business. You don't believe the one that I'm I'm making the money. It's always some. It's always a white guy that has to come and come that has to go to bat to me in order for me to get anything, which is unfortunate. And it makes me feel. It makes me feel shitty. But you know what? I take the shit and I make. I turn it into manure. Right. So I take my experiences and I share them with people and I and I help people understand the privilege that they have and what they can do to help people who look like me from to help people with unconventional backgrounds succeed at this thing. Because the system is stacked against me, like the the game is stacked against me, cards are stacked against me, but I succeeded despite that. So now it's like sometimes I'll show up in some places and people are like, how did you get there? It's like. Bro, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. And I know for myself that if I don't see myself in places, I won't go. So I purposely insert myself in things. I put my, I get myself on the cover of books so that other people who, who look like me, other people who have the same unconventional background as me, know that it is possible. I am not a role model. I am a possibility model. I want to show people what's possible when you actually roll up your sleeves, when you when you overcome those challenges, despite all the shit that you're going through, despite how the cards are stacked against us. I want to show people that it's possible. That's amazing. Truly. Well, I, wow. I got goosebumps. Well, I got I got all. <laughs> <laughs> you got me started. I did. Oh, sweet. Oh my, I don't even know where to go from there. That... <laughs> Let's go back to Kinky Curly Yaki. You're bootstrapping this thing from 2012 and you're telling your story. And the story is largely, um, well, not large. The a core theme to the story is about accepting yourself and about uh, about confidence, right? And from there you start to build a community. And you mentioned that as like, that is a critical component is, is being able to build that community. Talk to me about community. Well, I, here's the thing. I didn't actually set out to create a community. It just sort of happened. And the funny thing is I learned all these, all this terminology after the fact, like when I learned about bootstrapping, right? So what I knew was that one, I've got a personality and it translates very well online. So I was able to just be Vivian, you know, in on, on Facebook groups and on hair care forums. So people remembered me. Um, and so then in order to create that community, one, you can't just go into the community and just start selling them stuff. No, you have to provide value. So what did I do? I provided value in um, being a resource, right? Or being, uh, you know, funny right? Entertaining. So that provided value that made me memorable, right? So even when I, when I did drop my business, I didn't tell anyone it was my business. <laughs> I didn't, I just was, I, I, because I knew what the issues were, I knew what the pain points were. I knew that I was my own customer. I, I could get high on my own supply. 
I would purposely say, I would just repeat back what they were saying. So if they'd say things like, oh, you know what? Kinky hair is just so hard. It's so unmanageable. It's so this, I would be like, this is finally the product you're looking for. That's manageable and easy to care for. Oh, that's clever. Right. And so then, but when you're in the community, when you're giving value and you're participating in the community, that's easier to do. But if you're just going, if you're just running into communities or creating communities solely for the purpose of just selling, making money and selling, you're not, first of all, you're not adding value. Second of all, you're being a dick. And third of all, you're not, you're, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. You're not going to create a sustainable business doing that. Right. And so for me, creating community is really about providing value and being vulnerable. Right. Because one of the things that happened to me while I was building this business was I got pregnant. I had a baby and I became a single mother. And so now not only did my community realize, okay, so now we're buying this product from this person and she's a black woman. She understands me. But now she's a single mother. She's a mother. I understand that struggle. So when I had to put my business on hiatus and be like, hey, ladies, you know what? I just had a baby, so I just need a minute. They were like, oh, my goodness, it's not OK. That's OK. That's OK. But then what happened during my hiatus, a bunch of Chinese companies started popping up. Oh, they saw my success and said, we can duplicate that. And so they started hiring a bunch of black women to front their companies. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they would hire black women to front, but it was a Chinese back end. And so when I figured that out, I was like, wait a minute. That's first of all, (laughs) smart. Second of all, what do they have that I, what do I have that they don't have? They don't have me. So then that was all the more reason to tell my story and to show my face and be like, hey, I am the person who's shipping your package. Girl, you want, you want, you want, you want 14 inches, but you want it a little bit more black? Girl, I got you, right? And I'm speaking the language, which they were not able to do, right? So to answer your question, Community is really important, (laughs) but you really, but it has to be sincere, which is why I'm really adamant. If you're going to start a business, you need to solve a problem and you need to be solving a problem that is close to you because that's where that passion comes from. Yes. Right. Because trust me, this shit is not easy. (laughs) You have to love it. You, you have to love it. And it has to be personal. Exactly. Because if you think, you know, you think, you know, you're getting away from the nine to five. This is the this is 24 seven. It does not stop. Excuse me. Do you know where Fourth Street is? Yeah. Up here. Make right. Or uh, no, make left. No, no. Make right. Man, this person doesn't know what she's talking about. But you know who does know what they're talking about? Zipify Pages, the most powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $100 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. Finally, someone who knows what they're talking about. You can copy entire templates like opt-in pages, product pages, or holiday promos. Or use the drag and drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. That means no plugins and no subdomains. So setup is easy and tracking is even easier. And you don't need a designer or developer. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,700 Shopify merchants. To start your 14-day free trial, go to zipify.com kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech nasty.
and you can't fake you can't fake authenticity. You can't. So you want to be authentic. You want to be able to tell a story, and the yep. story has to be if it's your story, it's real and authentic automatically. Right. Um, and you can put yourself in the position of the customer. They can identify with you. You can identify with them. And then you're able to hold up the mirror in a way. Right. And that's what really makes successful marketing is where yeah. the person goes, okay, this gets me. This is yeah. me. This is, I, I'm seeing a better version of myself by buying this product. And people don't buy products. They buy people. They buy the idea that I can be that person too, or I can, you know, that person solving my problem. They see me. That's what people buy. They don't buy products. Otherwise they just buy it on Amazon. So you have to give them a reason to not buy it on Amazon. Oh, that's such a good point. That's a good line. You have to give them a reason to not buy it on Amazon. Cause it's, you could use that. You could go ahead and put that in the, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, writing it down right now. She got me. It's going in the summary. <laughs> How you, you talked about, uh, you, you made mistakes. And I think those are just fabulous learning opportunities. Are, is there, are there one or two mistakes you made growing your business that, you, that stand out to you that you think other people could benefit from hearing? Oh, my goodness. Two, huh? Um, well, there's one mistake that I made where um, I hired a company to help me with my branding. And they did such a good job. Uh, I went to go get a new website and I said, you know what? I need someone to handle the photo shoot aspect. I thought they understood the branding, so they'll understand the photo shoot. Not sure why I thought that. So I was pretty hands off in that in that regard. And the photo shoot was an absolute shit show. I hated the photos. Oh, it was. um, Well, first of all, I asked them to get women that were everyday women, but it was too everyday. (laughs) Like it was too everyday. Right. Um, And then with, you know, I walked into the shoot, I remember, and the photographer wouldn't let me see the photos on the screen. He just kept, I'm like, no, no, no. Like I want to see the photos so that I can tell that model. Okay. I need more of this and less that. And he was really getting, you know, he was not happy. He was being a drama king. And, um, and then when we got to the videos, the video portion, cause we were doing these 360 videos and I wasn't loving the way that was going either. Plus, you know, it didn't help that when I walked in the music they were playing was really chill. And I am, I don't know if you can gather, but I'm not a chill person, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I need some upbeat stuff, but anyways, I thought, you know what? I, I, I all, I was thinking about the sunk costs, right? I'd spent all this money and it was about 10,000 US that I'd spent on this photo shoot. And I thought, and these people know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I'm going to leave them alone. I'm not going to say anything. Then when I got the photos back, I was like, oh, I hate them. But some costs, some costs, some costs. Right. But then when I got the video, I abs, I was like, hell no. Nope, 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 nope. I cannot. So then I had to pay another $12,000 to fix it. But Ooh. those are the photos that you see on kinkykurliaki.com today. Uh, and they're- I was fabulous thank you and i was super happy with it because then it it really made me feel like this is what i worked so hard for it's finally representative of that so the lesson in that is don't trust people with your vision you can't you uh, you absolutely can't you can't think okay yeah i'm starting this business i'm gonna be hands off you can't you can't you can't especially when you start the business for personal you know from a personal standpoint you That's have to be involved mistake. and invested you. in the day-to-day. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so your website is beautiful. It is really quite extraordinary. One of, uh, 
a couple couple highlights I like is on this product detail page, the product photo, and this is so cool, is full width, full height in the frame. So it looks really good. And then the uh, and the thumbnails lay over it and the logos right over it. And you had to really think it through to make this work. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't know that I've seen it set up like that before, at least not this well. (laughs) Well, there's oh, Fuel Made. That's who made the website. Oh, Fuel Made did this? Fuel Made. Carson McComas is the. Yes. Shout out Carson. Hey. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I like those guys. I do. Um, Let's see. And your email fly out. It slides out from the side. It's got a little animated uh, video loop. It's me. And it's. (laughs) It immediately makes it like 10 times more engaging. Like, I gotta put my email up in this thing. <laughs> She's saying hi to me. I have to put your yeah. e- my email address in there. <laughs> oh, my, in the, this is the purple wall behind you in the GIF, isn't it? Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so see how I've made it so it's personal. Like, I'm a real person. Like, so sometimes some people see the website and they're like, oh, it's this big corporation behind it. But it's like, no, girl, it's me. It's me. <laughs> and of course, like you've got uh, this excellent Our Story page. You know, would people say, like, what's an example of a good About Us page? Uh, this is the one. We found it. It's right here. And on the, do you tell the story on the homepage? I, I think a little bit. I think if you, if you scroll down. Yeah, we say reasons to love. And we talk through that. When, when did you end up on Shopify? 2015. And... So- so for three years, you were on Big Cartel, you switched Shopify. What was the thing that made you go, eh, I got to switch? At the time, I'm not sure about now, but I couldn't keep track of the inventory properly on Big Cartel. <laughs> yeah, that so, seems pretty yeah. basic. Yeah, it was, it was pretty basic. And I was like, oh, I need something that uh, that can help me track this inventory and do this properly. I'm like, I heard about this Shopify. I know they're Canadian, so I know if I need help, <laughs> they're going to be right there. <laughs> you're gonna go knock little, on the door i know really like little did i know that they would blow up and be this cabillion dollar company and have this bootleg podcast named after them <laughs> <laughs> the unofficial shopify podcast yeah it was a working title and then uh i couldn't think of anything better so we just ran with it <laughs> i like it i like yeah. it uh so today you know you started on without paid ads do you use paid ads today Today, no. Still? I actually, well, no, that's not true. So after I hit my first million, then I said, okay, wait a minute. I hit this first million without any paid ads. What would happen if I did paid ads? Okay. Right. So then that's when I started doing email. That's when I started doing um, Facebook ads. Wait, you weren't doing email? Nope. (laughs) All right. No email. No email. And so then... um, so then what happened was uh, I started doing email and started doing pa- Facebook ads. But I foolishly, I would say six months into doing Facebook ads, I shut them off because we couldn't keep up with the demand. Hmm. <laughs> You're like, these work too well. It was it was crazy. Plus, it brought in a different type of customer. So it was okay. still, you know, the same demographic and everything. But they wanted stuff like they didn't. I found that they didn't really, I don't want to say care about my story, but they didn't take into account that I was still a small business. Right. And so then they, and so then of course those, they had those Amazon expectations. 
Oh, right. no. So they ordered at Friday night at two o'clock in the morning. And by Saturday morning, they were sending us emails asking where their tracking number was. And that was the type of a customer that we were attracting from these Facebook ads. Whereas, you know, anyone that learned about us organically or through word of mouth understood that we were a small business. And so sending us an email Saturday morning wasn't really going to get them anywhere. <laughs> right. And so then and then it just it just got crazy. It got crazy. We were doing six figure months and I, but honestly, Kurt, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it's like, this is not what I started my business to do. I didn't start my business to, to, you know, to do, and it's going to sound silly. I didn't start my business to, to have to do all this row ass and cack and, and ROIs and all that stuff. I, I literally started it to solve my own problem. And then I wanted to solve my sister's problem, my black sister's problem. I wanted to help that woman in Australia who needed to show up to her nine to five, but couldn't find a protective style that that looked like her hair. Right. I wanted to help that sister in Baltimore who just, you know, who's who just got uh, diagnosed with cancer and couldn't find a cancer wig that looked like her hair. And here are all these, you know, cacks and this and ah! so I shut them off after I think about seven months, I shut it off. And you didn't go back. I did go back, but it was and that was my second biggest mistake. Oh, shutting off the Facebook ads, because, of course, when you shut them off, it's almost like you're starting over again once you start back up, because I started back up maybe two months later. I just needed to get a hold of what was happening. Right. right? Um, and so then that was the biggest mistake. <laughs> that was the second biggest mistake that I've made. But I don't regret it. But right now they're off only because um you know, with this whole pandemic thing going on and a lot of people who are um, who are our customers, you know, I wanted to be sensitive to um, pocketbooks. And if that I mean, that makes me very anti entrepreneur. Right. Because what we're selling is a luxury product. Right. It, like, you know, we we don't sell cheap hair. That's for sure. And even the wig that I'm wearing right now is nine years old like this. I've had this hair for nine years. This was what I was wearing when that woman asked me who was my hairdresser, right? And so um, I felt like I wanted to have a solution. Like I just didn't want to sound tone deaf by saying, oh yeah, buy this, you know, $500, $500 wig when they're still waiting on a, you know, on, a, on that 1200 from the government, right? So I wanted to come up with a solution that um, people who are working from home could, you know, easily do because our, our hair is, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you need to take time to manage. And during a pandemic, you don't necessarily want to do that. So I wanted something easy. So I had to sit back and just sort of watch, you know, what, look at my routine. What was I doing different? How could I, what could I do different? What product could I come up with? And I came up with headband wigs, right? So it was really a five minute wig that women could throw on five minutes before their, their zoom call. Oh, smart. <laughs> right. And so, um, and so, you know, and it's, and it's a product that I didn't invent, right? So it's existed before, but it's just a matter of putting, you know, that 2020 spin on it. Right. So, so yeah. So uh, what's next? What's next for Kinky Curly Yaki? I actually do not know. It's something that I've been, um, I've been thinking about these past couple of months, uh, you know, because like I mentioned before, I didn't get in the business for the row ass and the cack and the this and the that. 
I got in to give black women the confidence to do what they did, to do what they need to do. So, um, you know, for me in December 2019, I got hit with that whole the supply chain got got went crazy. But at the time, we didn't know what was happening. Right. This is December 2019. So Black Friday, those orders didn't come in until January. Like my inventory shipment did not come in until January. Yeah. So it sort of set off this chain of events. Right. So um, inventory from November didn't come until January. Then we got shut down in March. I was, you know, I was in what the fuck mode. (laughs) You know, I can like even to this day, I I still have trouble getting my head out of my ass. Um, You know, I struggled to launch those headband wigs because my I just didn't have the bandwidth or capacity for it. And. And so what I'm thinking is it's still uh, it's still making money. Is it a million dollar business this year? Absolutely not. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Right. Um, But I am proud of what I've built and I'm proud of, you know, the things that I've done and the fact that I built a a business from zero to a million with no experience and no help and, and, and did it as a single mother. I'm very proud of that fact. And I think by telling my story of how I did it and how I overcame the challenges and struggles in order to create this business is something that um, I'd like to share with the world. Right. So I always tell people I'm like Oprah meets Gary V because I will tell you the business (laughs) advice straight up. Right. But, you know, I I had that bit of a little bit of heart to it, too. So I like that assessment. Yeah. And, you know, I will say Oprah plus Gary V plus that, you know, that party emoji. That's me. (laughs) <laughs> the party emoji <laughs> the party emoji but um i would like to say you know kinky Curliaki will still keep going but you're, you're going to certainly see more of vivian k uh because i'm just trying to just you know get everyone to just see their potential well and right? on that topic i see that you are more than just an e-commerce merchant you are also a business coach i am tell me about that well you know <laughs> I'm the queen of the pivot, <laughs> right? So I always like to, I, I thought about, especially when, in, you know, in 2020, supply, the supply chain went to shit. So I had to figure out what could I, what could I control? I can't control supply chain. So what can I control? I can control me, right? And a bunch of people who had brick and mortar stores or did in-person events suddenly needed to be on Shopify. So guess, guess who helped them get on Shopify? This girl, <laughs> right? So and again, because I was, I'd, I'd gone about this in a very unconventional way. I thought, well, who am I to teach people how to do that? And I'd be like, Vivian, do you not remember you built a million dollar business on your own? Do so you? even you have imposter syndrome at times. Even I have imposter syndrome at times. But what I realize is um, the reason why I have imposter syndrome is because, um, you know, and I don't want to sound like a victim here. This is, these are just the facts that again, the system is not rigged for me to win. And so then um, I thought, well, I'm going to win anyways. I'm going to be the opposite of what success looks like, right? And so then I started to help people get their businesses online. And I'm very proud of that, right? And, um, you know, I and I did it in, in such a way that I just did it in the Vivian way. I didn't do it in the bro standing in front of a Maserati on YouTube with girls in, you know, a <laughs> nine bedroom mansion behind them. I did it in my pajamas with my kids screaming in the background, right? So... So where can I go to learn about Vivian K? Oh, I am an absolute pleasure to follow on the Instagrams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My Instagram stories are legendary. Um, or you could come see me at, or, you know, even on Instagram, it's, it's Vivian K-I-T-S-V-I-V-I-A-N-K-A-Y-E. 
you'll see me. I'm the girl with the crown and balloons. <laughs> the black lady with the crown and balloons. Um, any any platform, but uh, VivianK.com as well if you want to hire me. But uh, but yeah, I I loved having you here. This was I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. And thank you for being yourself. Thank you for being Vivian. Well, you are absolutely welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, all of those links are in the show notes. Please check it out. Connect with Vivian. She seems fantastic. Building an amazing Shopify store starts with an amazing foundation, a.k.a. your theme. Enter Turbo. Calling it a theme almost doesn't do it justice. Instead, think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. It is one of the most configurable feature pack themes for Shopify available today. With predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. That's a metric ton, not a standard ton, by the way. It's easy to see why it is my own agency's favorite Shopify theme to work with. Not sold yet? Maybe this will help. You can save 20% off Turbo. That's $70 off the sale price of my go-to theme when you visit outofthesandbox.com unofficial and use code KURT20 at checkout. Best of all, try it for two weeks. And if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. That's right, full refund if you hate it. You've got nothing to lose and a beautiful money-making online storefront to gain. That's K-U-R-T-2-0 at outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.